Let's grab a Bible and turn to Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a pew Bible there in front of you. You can grab it and turn to page 874. Page 874, that will get you to where you need to be in that Bible. Luke's Gospel, chapter 14. We're going to read verses 7 through 11 to get started this morning. There will be a couple of other passages we might take a look at together. Luke 14, verses 7 through 11. Hear God's word this morning. Now he told a parable to those who were invited. When he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. And then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that over the next... 30 minutes or so, that I myself and everyone gathered in this sanctuary this morning or listening through live stream will humble themselves before you and your word. And we pray that Christ would be exalted among us, in us, and through us. Not only within this holy hour, but within this whole week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Where are all the deacons? It's been said that confession is good for the soul, and hopefully confession will be good for my soul and won't be used against me later on. But last Sunday I was sitting here, right here, and I was was looking out at the sanctuary, and I believe Chris Tibbetts was the one going over the announcements, I thought to myself, where are all of the deacons? And as Chris was kind of highlighting for us the festivities of the week, I thought to myself, this is kind of embarrassing. Because here we are on a very significant Sunday, and I don't see hardly any deacons here with us. And then it dawned on me, well, today is was Stewardship Sunday, it was the Stewardship Banquet, and it dawned on me, oh, I know where the deacons are. They're in the fellowship hall, getting ready for the Stewardship Banquet. And my arrogance, pride, self-righteousness, God fed me a little slice of humble pie 
before we enjoyed that delicious dessert we enjoyed last week together. Wasn't that delicious? What's the point? Sometimes I need to be humbled. How about you? Have you ever been humbled? (laughs) Have you ever needed to be humbled? Well, last week as I was sitting here thinking about the long devotion on the significance of worship that I might have to give at the next deacons meeting, the Lord turned that lesson upon me and said, son, you need a lesson in humility. Because as you're getting ready to enjoy that stewardship banquet last week, I realized that the most distinguished guests among us were the deacons. Do you know why? Because last week they were the greatest servants among us. And it was a lesson last week for me in humility. I'm going to brag on our deacons and the wonderful job that they did last week uh, with that stewardship banquet. Uh, Sometimes I, I, I get the sense as you hear other people talk in other churches as they think about the difference between elders and deacons. It's like sometimes people want to treat the deacons like they're bums. They're not bums. These are godly men. These are competent men. These are successful men. Many of these men go leave church on Sunday. When they go to work on Monday, there are a lot of men and women in their organizations that report to them. In fact, some of these men, uh, the the companies are named after them, or they're the president or CEO or CFO of their companies. These are not bums. Rather, these are godly men who are godly servants. And when they come to this house of worship on Sunday morning... They come as humble servants, ready to serve. Why is that significant for us today? Because the reality is that we're all tempted to be a little bit arrogant, aren't we? We're all tempted to be a little bit prideful. And this passage of scripture that we have before us this morning, J.C. Ryle says, is a lesson in the value of humility. It's a lesson in the value of humility, not that we're just to come here this morning and discuss and debate the difference between virtues and vice or being naughty or nice, but rather we want to focus on what it means to follow Christ. And what we have in this passage is simply a parable that Jesus tells with a simple point. It's a parable that Jesus tells with a simple but significant point. And the point is this, that we are challenged to resist the temptation to exalt ourselves and relish the invitation to humble ourselves before King Jesus. That's really the point of this whole passage, is resist the temptation to exalt yourself And rather relish the invitation to humble yourself before King Jesus. So let's take a look at the parable together this morning. As we highlight that simple but significant point King Jesus is making to us in this passage. Now I want you to notice the context of this parable. I love it. It's actually, you got to go back to chapter 14 verse 1 to see the context of what's happening here. 
It says, one Sabbath when he, Jesus, went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. Here's what happens. Some of you are going to invite one another to your house after church today to have lunch. Well, that's what they were doing in this, in this setting. There were some Pharisees that were inviting Jesus and some other folks after, after worship in the synagogue to this high-ranking Pharisee's house. And you would think on the surface, the point is just to have a meal together and to enjoy fellowship. But the Holy Spirit lets us know there's actually a devious plan here. And they're inviting Jesus over because they're wanting to trick him and to catch him breaking the Sabbath. Remember, we looked at this passage a couple weeks ago, and scholars debate about whether or not this person with dropsy just so happens to roll into the house, or whether or not he was planted there. And so Jesus heals the man of dropsy right there in the presence of the Pharisees, and it says there in verse 4 that they remained silent. The Pharisees, Jesus took him, healed him, and sent him away and said to them, Which of you having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. And so Jesus, in a setting where he's supposed to be schooled on the Sabbath, turns the table on them, turns the table on the Pharisees and schools them because he's the Lord of the Sabbath. That's the context of the passage we're taking a look at today. And Jesus doesn't stop turning the tables on them just by schooling them on the Sabbath. Now he schools them upon the greatest characteristic and virtue in the Christian life. Humility. And so what happens in verses 7 through 10 is that Jesus tells a parable. He tells a story with a point. And it makes sense. Just on the common sense level, it makes sense. Jesus says this, okay guys, he noticed as people were making their way to the Pharisee's house, they were all jockeying for position, trying to get the most prized seat, the most prized position at the table. Now here's what's different about back then versus now today. If you come over to our house, where Tanner likes to sit at the dining room table is at one of the ends of the table, correct? That's like usually where dad or the, 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 the head of the house sits. You want to be at one of the ends of the table. Not so in the first century, in the ancient Near East or in the Jewish culture. Rather, it would have been a couch and the most prized chief place and position would have been the center cushion. Imagine the, the, the beautiful scene of the quote-unquote the Last Supper where Jesus is at the center of the table. In other words, that would have been the most chief place, the chief high position. What does Jesus say see, is happening here? He says in verse 7, he noticed how they chose places of honor. In other words, they're fighting and jockeying for position. And Jesus tells a parable. He says, you know what, guys? Be careful. Because imagine that you go and you sit as close to the, the high place as you possibly can in the center of the table. And then the host of the party comes to you and says, hey, by the way, that seat's taken. Now some of you, if you were like me, that happened to me a lot on the school bus, right? Remember that 
and the shame of having to walk further down the school bus and take another seat. That's exactly a picture that's happening here as Jesus tells this parable. He's saying, in other words, don't choose the high place, but choose the low place. Because if you choose the high place, then the host is going to have to come to you. And you're going to be embarrassed and you're going to be ashamed in front of everyone as they tell you to move down. But he says, rather take the low place, humble yourself, and then the host can come in and say, hey, friend, get up and move up higher. And everyone in the place will see your relationship to the host. What's the point? Is Jesus just trying to give us some good common sense? It is good common sense. No. Is Jesus just trying to tell us to be falsely humble? You've seen people like that, right? Really, really, don't give me anything for Christmas. Seriously, don't give me anything for Christmas. Don't do anything for Pastor's Appreciation Day. Keep the gifts coming, right? You've seen people like that. Is that what Jesus is promoting here is false humility? No. Rather, what he's promoting is genuine humility. Because the, the folks recognize their true place and their true space. That's the point that Jesus is saying in verses 7 through 10. Is that the value of humility is that you resist the temptation to exalt yourself. And you relish the, temp- you relish the invitation to humble yourself before the king. That's the point that Jesus tells in this parable in verse 11. That everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. That's the point of the story. That the kingdom of God has an upside-down nature to it. That those that exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves before Christ will be exalted. There are a number of folks in our congregation today that are experiencing mourning sickness. They are mourning the loss of the Clemson Tigers. I'm sorry about that. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I see some very angry faces looking at me right now. Some of my best friends are fans of the Clemson Tigers, and I relished way too much yesterday their defeat. So this morning, I had, to, I had to text and email a few of them the score to the West Virginia football game yesterday. At least y'all lost to somebody that's legitimate. We lost to Iowa State. So it could be a worse Sunday, trust me. But what was the point? The point is that we were joking as friends about our college football teams losing and winning. That at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter, Right? There's a lot of jockeying for position. There's a lot of joking back and forth. But at the end of the day, those positions really don't matter. But what Jesus highlights for us in this parable is an eternal truth. With an eternal principle. of how we are to behave 
before the king. And I'm convinced that really the passage that's behind this passage is Proverbs chapter 25. And so I want you to hold your place in Luke's gospel and turn to Proverbs chapter 25. It's page 547 in your pew Bible, which I believe really highlights the point that Jesus is making in this parable. Proverbs chapter 25 are the Proverbs of Solomon, who was the wisest king in the history of Israel. And I'm convinced this was the the proverb in King Jesus' mind behind the whole telling of this parable. He says in verse 6, Do not put yourself forward in the king's presence, or stand in the place of the great. For it is better to be told, come up here, than to be put lower in the presence of a noble. How does that impact our view of Luke 14, 7 through 11? Here's the point. Jesus is sitting there watching everyone jockey for position about where they're going to sit in relationship to the Pharisee. And they're totally ignorant of the fact that there's one far greater than the leader of the Pharisees in their presence. His name is Jesus. He's the king of all kings. He's the Lord of all lords. And I'm convinced that what's really at the center of this passage is the kingship of Jesus Christ. So what Jesus is telling these folks is that as much as you think you know the word of God, Your lifestyle right now proves that you don't. Because you're not resisting the temptation to exalt yourself and jockey for position. Rather, you're relishing the temptation. And what Jesus is telling the folks in this passage, and he's telling me and you, is to resist the temptation to exalt ourselves and rather relish the invitation to humble ourselves before Christ. Five times in this passage, the word invited is mentioned. In my opinion, it is a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of the gospel because none of us come into Christ's kingdom or into Christ's family by our own choice or by jockeying for position. Rather, we come to Christ because we've been called By him. And the way that you take a seat at his table is you humble yourself. You kneel before the king. How many of you have heard of the name James Montgomery Boyce just by a show of hands? James Montgomery Boyce was a famous minister in the Presbyterian world. He He pastored a very prestigious church, a very prestigious pulpit for folks to hold and to preach from. It's 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, Many of you have probably heard James Montgomery Boyce speak, whether you realize it or not, because 
for 30 years, he was on the Bible study hour. It was a, a, a Bible study time that was broadcast across the entire United States of America. Uh, James Montgomery Boyce was also the co-founder and president of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. And a friend of mine, an older mentor of mine, was at an ARP event a number of years ago before James Montgomery Boyce passed away. It would have been at the height of James Montgomery Boyce's career and ministry. And this, this man and his wife had two little daughters. It was near Christmas when they went to an event where James Montgomery Boyce was speaking. And following the speaking engagement, there was a, there was a fellowship time, and uh, a time for people to just eat and fellowship like we had after church last Sunday. And my friend met James Montgomery Boyce and his wife. And he was in awe of being in his, in his presence. He was a little bit intimidated. And James Montgomery Boyce responded to my friend and said, Hey, I notice that your wife and yourself have two little girls. Why don't you all, you and your wife, go get something to eat. Go through the, the line with your plate. Get something to eat and my wife and I will entertain your two girls. My friend was shocked. He was like, you're James Montgomery Boyce. And so my friend tells me that he and his wife made their way through the, the dinner line that night as James Montgomery Boyce played with the baby dolls that his daughters had brought to church that evening. Why do I share that story with you today? Because my friend was permanently impacted by the interaction with James Montgomery Boyce. He said this, not only did that man talk about Jesus, that man knew Jesus. Not only did that man seek to serve others for Jesus, he was a servant of Jesus that night. And the way I know is because rather than pounding his chest saying, I'm the keynote speaker of tonight's event. How can you serve me? Rather, he came as a humble servant of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and looked at a no-named, unknown ARP minister and his wife and said, let us serve you. Friends, do you know where you are today? You're in the presence of the King of Kings. Do you know who you are? You are his distinguished guest. And he has invited to you to this table this morning to feast with him. Who is welcome to come to this table today? Those that are willing to resist the temptation to try to exalt themselves, but rather will relish the invitation to come and humble themselves before King Jesus, admitting, I'm a sinner who deserves hell. And the only way I can be rescued is to be saved by your Son and His grace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this holy hour. And I pray, Father God, that we would not be like the Pharisee in Luke 18 who prayed and bragged about how he was not like the other people around him. 
but rather help us to be like the publican, the tax collector that, that beat his chest and said, had mercy on me, oh God, because I'm a sinner. And God, that's where we are today. God, have mercy upon me, oh God, for I'm a sinner in need of your saving grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.